So let's say you've done all you can in order to make sure that your customer pays on time, you've gotten to know them, you've uh, established uh, clearly that the payment, what the payment terms are before you've done the deal so that everybody knows what the expectations are. That's on the front end. What about the back end? What happens once you've actually gone through this process for several months, quarters or even years? How do you measure your success? In this uh, edition of the Reable podcast, Simon Littlewood and I are going to um, get into the spaghetti bowl of the various uh, ways of uh, measuring and not just finance, Simon. No, I mean, the important thing is, and we've said this a number of times and quite early on, is that the getting paid on time thing, which is a service thing, needs to be owned from the top across all functions in your company. But in order for that to work, it's no good saying it has to be owned by all functions and then only bothering finance with getting the money in, which is what tends to happen very often. All of those functions have to have a transparent set of measures that relate to the customer to cash cycle, which is to do with setting up an order, delivering a product, getting right. invoicing, getting paid, and so on and so forth. So, so, so for example, when you agree the credit policy, which is the first part of your receivables thing, because if you don't, have a clear policy on when you expect to get paid with a customer, well, you don't know when you're going to get paid and you can't hold the customer to it. Yeah. That's something that has to be bought into not just by the account manager, but also by leadership, by finance, by operations, and so on and so forth. So how do you measure the credit policy aspect? Well, it, going in, you make sure that you've gone through a process of consensus in terms of building it, yeah? So measure doesn't necessarily mean a percentage or a ratio. It, it can mean yes or no. There, are, there are binary measures which are required to get your new policy in place. If I look at, you know, in fact, you raise a very good question. There are three kinds of ways of measuring. One, The first one, in many ways the easiest one, are what I call binary measures, which is have we got this process in place or not? Have we defined a credit policy and have we agreed it? Mm -hmm. You know, do we have a proper customer policy, customer master file policy in place? You know, do we have a sales remuneration policy? Do we? So, so there's the binary part, and then and then there are a series of measures which are performance related, to, which I think is the point that you're that you're making. But those measures, and this is what's slightly unusual about what we advocate, they should include quantitative financial measures, but they should also include some quantitative non-financial measures, which are mostly leading indicators. In other words, if you're moving from a situation where receivables has been an orphan, you know, there have just been very few people in the company that are chasing it, to a situation where there's a general level of ownership, particularly from the account manager, you need to define what that looks like. What, and one of the things it might look like, and we talked about this before, is it might mean that the amount of time that the salesman spends on that particular activity in the near term goes up that certain training needs to be taken and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those things need to be built in to the way that you evaluate your sales team so that they have the basic training, they have the discussions with the customers and so on and so forth. And all of that, none of that is, has a quantitative outcome. The quantitative outcome comes when you actually measure the level of overdue on their own accounts. So it should come down, mm -hmm. obviously. You should be setting targets and measuring them. DSO particularly for their large accounts. And Days, are, sales, outstanding. Yeah, and there are a variety of ways of doing this. Pareto, again, if, if it's a guy that's got multiple accounts, 20% of his accounts will account for 80% of cash in. So at the end of the day, you might want to focus on them and measure the DSO on them specifically. That is, how long on average is it taking to get paid on those accounts? Mm -hmm. And if there's a gap between what their aggregate credit terms are and when you're actually getting paid, you need to set a progressive target. Right, so... so, so um, 
Uh, sorry, you're going a bit too fast for me. So, <laughs> so the, the financial measurements are things like, has the value of those receivables yes. come down? The non-financial measures might be Dale sales outstanding, for um, example. No, that's still a financial measure, but you know, let's, let's maybe talk about business outcomes, and maybe that would be, a, you know, because I, I'm trying to differentiate between stuff that you need to fix once, which is writing a credit policy. Okay, so and that's a yes or yes, no. Do yeah, we have a credit yes. policy? Yes, and then there's mm -hmm. then there's quantitative non-financial activities like leading behaviours, like spending more time doing the right kind of things. Aha, uh -huh. spending more time. So you would actually keep a timesheet, or how would you measure this? Uh, no, um, you can do this by observation. Like for example, very simple things like when sales have their weekly meeting. Is 15 minutes spent discussing receivables, yay or nay? Right. So that's a, that would be a sales manager metric and a sales metric. As part of that, is is each salesman able to give an account of what's happening with the overdues on his major accounts? Yeah. So there are a series of things that right. you could, activities that need to occur, but which do not in and of themselves create a financial outcome. I what, see. What they do is they define a changing culture where more of the right behavior. Why is this important? Well, it's important first of all because if these changes don't happen the outcomes are not going to change. It's also important for another very, very important reason, which is when you're trying to make changes in a company, people often say, they often claim it would have happened anyway, or they say, how do we know if it's having any impact? And the short answer is actually, you, you don't. But if you've got the right behaviors going on, i.e. if more of the right things are happening, even if external events are very bad, let's say there's a major recession and lots of customers suddenly can't pay you, in aggregate, compared to your competitors who aren't doing the right things, you know that you're going to be improving. So I call these, the leading indicators are normalized measures of improvement. Because if we're doing more of these things, we are, we are if more effective about the way that we are managing receivables than we, than we were before or than a competitor who isn't doing this. Yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Assuming all other things are equal and the market remains stable, we will see a reduction in overdues, a reduction in DSOs, and an improvement in customer satisfaction, because the third thing that we're going to measure is discrepancies. How often do they occur? How That's discrepancies in invoices, for yes. example. So, so, so when something goes wrong that prevents a customer from paying us on time, whether it's whoever's fault it is, we log it and we see how long it takes us to resolve it based on an internal target that we set. So we're measuring how often it doesn't get resolved on time, and what the financial impact of that is, sometimes called the lost revenue factor. Mm -hmm. um, and that metric must improve over time. And that's a key point of ownership for the account manager. One, indeed, one of the most challenging and the most impactful changes in sales behavior, where you want to look for this behavior and then see the outcomes, is the ability to go into a customer and have the discussion about, you know, I've been looking at the account and I see this thing is going wrong on a regular basis. Can we just nail that? Yeah? And having nailed it, going in and saying, it's great, this isn't happening anymore. Now, the upside of that is that the salesman demonstrates a level of professionalism and um, commitment to the account that the customer will over time come to appreciate. And of course, he's also progressively, in a loving, gentle, service-based way, removing the obstacles that prevent timely mm. payment. The, yeah. Those phone calls that you never want to have because the invoice wasn't right. or. But if you, just, if you just train him, assuming you do because that's pretty important and then you just kind of cross your fingers and wait for the DSO to go down you're missing a huge gap you want the conceptual training and then you want to see that the behaviors are occurring yes so you want your sales visit report to confirm that the salesman is having these conversations 
Yes. Yeah. And, and so you, you've talked about some non-financial measures, some financial measures. You've talked about some being fairly black and white, binary, as you said. Others can be more measured in, in numbers. How often do you measure? Like, are you on the backs of your sales staff every week? Or do you leave it for once a month or once a quarter? I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, there are some things that I think are important. First of all, not once a year. <laughs> Once a year you is laugh. as good as never, right? You laugh, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, I would say significant review quarterly at least. I think there's an, another feature which is none of this is going to work unless some element of variable remuneration is tied to this. In other words, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you say about the fact that they should spend more time on receivables. If you only bonus them on how, much new, how many new sales they close, they're not really going to give it their attention. So it's got to be part of their variable remuneration. And in general, we argue for a impactful level of variable remuneration. I'm choosing my words carefully. <laughs> yes, why is that? Uh, well, because what defines impactful? I mean, I'm conscious that over the years I've worked with companies where the base salary was as little as 40% of remuneration, which I regard as extreme, and in others where the variable portion was as little as 5 or 10%, which is not enough. The reason it's not enough is because if I'm a really good salesman or I'm really comfortable going out and selling and I'm only going to get f maybe 5% is at risk every quarter from not getting my receivables paid, I might figure the best thing for me to do is just drive more miles and turn up the gas on the selling bit because I'm comfortable with that mm. and I can, in essence, pretty much earn the same thing. Yeah, so there needs to be a sufficient bite. I would argue 20 to 30% of variable, but you know, I know Wait, lots, lots of people... Lots of people listening to this are going to go, are you kidding me? You know? Wait, so 20 to 30% of variable should be based on collection? No, 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 that's a very good point. So I would argue that in total, about 30% of a salesman's total remuneration approximately should be variable, i.e. at risk. Yeah. In terms of sales. In uh, terms outcomes. of in terms of a full range of things. So so what have I sold? What new products have I? It's a whole there are a range of commercial ones. What new products have I introduced? What new customers have I closed? All of that. But then there needs to be a customer service element, which is related to discrepancies, and there needs to be a receivables element, which is specifically how is my how is my performance, and then within that thirty percent. Well, we might want to do another podcast about this because it's quite complicated. <laughs> but th but there's a there's a hygiene factor as well, which is a soft part which is overall, are we seeing the right kind of behavior, behavior we should measure, which is, are you coming to the sales management meetings showing that you understand your account? Do your sales visit reports reflect the fact that you are systematically raising these issues with the account? If you don't explicitly include this, and if you don't have transparency of it, it's very likely not to happen, because in many traditional sales organizations, you'll be asking the salesman to embark on a set of conversations that he, is, he or she is <laughs> deeply uncomfortable with. Mm. And I, you know, I don't mean that as a criticism, it's simply a fact. And you've got to provide the level of support. Finally, and um, this is important, don't start putting remuneration at risk until you've gone through a sufficiently diligent process of training, conceptual training, practical training, including role play, and got everyone sufficiently comfortable with what's required that they can be comfortable that they're able to do it. Only then start putting their remuneration at risk. Doesn't mean you can't announce at the beginning that that's the direction you're going into, because that's, that's a very good way to get their attention. You can say from the 1st of January 2022, 15% mm -hmm. of your variable remuneration is going to be based on receivables. Oh no, here are the things you need to know between now and then in order to be able to do that and excel at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's in essence what you should be doing now. Right. Again, if it's a small company and there's a couple of you, you could do it much faster. But 
generally. Um, well, what happens if you don't? You don't what? Well, if you don't if you don't announce it in advance and you say, okay, from next week we're going to make fifteen well, percent of your variables. Well, your chances of success are diminished. I mean, uh, you know, I know I know people that have done that. Uh, it, it depends on a bunch of things. How many accounts do they have? What's the level of complexity? What kind of a situation are you coming from? I mean, if you know, many many companies that we work with have got a real problem. They've got a massive number of late or disputed invoices which haven't been paid. You know, there's a learning process needed. Otherwise, you're otherwise you're throwing your valuable salesman into a maelstrom that he doesn't really have the ability to swim out of and I don't I don't <laughs> I don't advocate that because it's they might leave, you know, well it's tremendously demoralizing and unfair I mean I think we need to be clear um, that in many companies making the salesman responsible for for delivering value for the economic value of the account that is not just selling X tons or X dollars worth but at a certain price at a certain margin including a calculation for what's happening with working capital. Um, if you're going to move to that, which is what you want, then you need to give it time. Not too much time, but enough time. A couple of quarters. You know, and, and we, we should talk about this because there, there's ways of managing this migration which are quite interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the important thing is to keep people on side. You know, you're valuable. We're building new skills. And what, what will happen if you do this the right way is that they'll start going in having conversations that they've learned in role play that they didn't think they could have, seeing that they're successful, and then feeling, oh, that's good, because they've acquired a new skill, they've mastered the art of having a conversation about receivables without feeling uncomfortable or making the customer upset. These are achievements. You're leading them in a positive direction. You're giving them new skills. So, mm -hmm. so there's no reason to be coy about this, provided you go about it in the right way. Yes. Yeah? Um, okay, so to sum up, so lots more conversation to be had about uh, that migration. But to sum up on measurement, step one, decide to measure, yeah. I suppose, uh, rather than just leaving it to chance. And measure in time frames that are reasonable monthly or quarterly, not annually. Step two, establish some of those key financial and non-financial measurements. Sure, it is about bringing in more money, but also about how much time you're spending and is that 15 minutes in the weekly sales call or more being allocated to discussions yeah and by the way i would advocate that same mix in in non-receivables related discussions i mean it's one of the common it's one of the common challenges that companies have i think in selling is that they kind of say sell 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 when what, <laughs> you know and then they wonder at the end, and because salesmen are inherently optimistic uh, they get to the end of the month and suddenly they're 20 percent short of their target and the way to avoid that is to understand what the behaviors are that lead to successful sales outcomes. It's a separate discussion on a separate topic, but it's, it's equally valid, which is if you do more of this and less of this on a consistent basis to an acceptable standard, you will generally get better outcomes. And that's, that's what we're looking for as opposed to, well, I don't know what you've been up to, but at the end of the year, I want to see a 20% growth. Go yes. away. I don't want to see you again. Yes. Uh, you know, that's... Yes. that's that's no good. Well, it also makes things like quarterly reviews and a contract renewal a much easier conversation. Much you more actually, transparent. Because you've actually got the sheet of paper in front of you to tell you how things have yeah, gone. Yeah, although there are all, we should have a conversation about that as well because, you know, one of the big, <laughs> one of the, well, because there's one of the big problems, you know, we like to get on with people. And if you're close to your team and you're a sales manager, despite the fact that you might have wildly different 
actual levels of performance or you know different levels of success in terms of adopting these new procedures you might still be inclined to take the variable remuneration that's available to you take the pot and hand it out uh, in, re in relatively equal tranches I see this over and over and over again where you create an elaborate form of variable remuneration but to have a quiet life the, the, the actual difference in what the payout is for the very best performers and the very worst is not very great. Uh, it's easy if you want to have a quiet life. It's terribly short-sighted because it means the really good people get annoyed and leave. And you end up sustaining the people that should be doing better. Oh, we're getting so off track here. I'm so sorry. I'm I think we need to have another cup of coffee. There's so much to talk about. It's so exciting. And we will in the next podcast. In the meantime, if you have some comments, suggestions, thoughts, queries, anything that you want to put on the record as far as pay, getting paid on time is concerned, email us at service at riabu.com. And riabu.com is also the place to go for the platform where you can keep track and measure. Let the Cash Flow is the name of the book. You'll be able to read all about this. This is available at Amazon.sg. Publisher is Marshall Cavendish. And the names that you'll see on the cover are his and mine, Simon Littlewood and Mark Lowdy, signing off.